Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. The Law of Worship. Exodus chapter 20, we're reading from verse 1 through to verse number 6. I God speak all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or air of any likeness, of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them, nor shalt thou serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. The law, this particular verse of the scripture that we have just read, basically telling us, number one, you cannot worship any other God. You cannot worship whatever you think you like. You cannot worship your own imagination of what you think God is. You cannot worship any other God. In other words, God alone deserves our worship, deserves our adoration. Worship is one of the most fundamentally misunderstood things in the church. Highly misunderstood. For many, worship is when we come to the service on Sunday... It is two fast songs and two slow songs. Just like we just did here this morning. (laughs) That's what worship is all about. Where we jump up and we sing some song and it's that. I'm not saying that's not worship. I'm only saying that. That is the picture that a lot of people have. For many in today's setting, worship is aimed at making us feel comfortable. It's it's, it's aimed at making us feel welcome. It is aimed at giving, you know, displaying our musical talent. Showing our level of entertainment. Making people to be comfortable with God. That's what worship is for a lot of people. But worship is more than the music time. Worship is more than the two songs that we sing. Worship is more than the sentimental, emotional high that we get when we are singing praises. Worship is more than the musical performance. Worship is more than the things that we go into. The question then is, what is worship? What is worship? Worship is an expression of reverence and adoration to the Almighty God. In other words, you love God so much and you are reverencing Him. You are showing your appreciation. You are showing your love. You are showing your... You are showing that he wants a lot in your mind. Worship is to feel in the heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but a delightful sense of awesome awe, of of, of admiring awe. In other words, you admire the Almighty God and you say, Lord, I really, you know, I appreciate you. I I, I love you and and I'm showing that appreciation from the words that I say, from the gesture, from the way that I live my life. That is what worship is. Worship is a spiritual discipline. 
Okay, worship is a spiritual discipline. It is valuing or treasuring God above all else. It is saying that God is so important to me that I will not equate God with any other thing that is around me. Worship is when is you know we worship when we express how valuable God is to us. This means that worship is not what we do once a, once once a week. Worship is not what we do when we come into the service. Worship is not what we do for 15 minutes when we play the music. Worship is not what we do when we are able to clap our hands. And, no, worship is, is beyond that. Worship is how we live on a daily basis. That's what worship is. Worship is what we do moment by moment. Worship is what we do, how we carry ourselves in the place of work. How we do in our own secret place. How we relate to our friends and our family members. How we relate when people are not seeing us. That is what worship is. Worship is the way you live your life on a daily basis. The desire to worship is one of the basic things that God has put into the life of every individual. A desire to worship. And that is why if you go to even the most remote part of the world... Where there is no church or any other religious thing, you will always find a shrine somewhere where somebody is worshipping something. If you go to anywhere, you will always find that there is always some... There was a story I read some time ago, I can't remember very correctly, but the idea behind it was that when, during the Second World War, there was this Pacific Island, remote Pacific Island that the U.S. government used to, for, you know, for, for transporting supplies to the people in the, in the, in the war front. And what happened was that anytime those, you know, anytime the, the, the villagers, they will hear that the planes are coming, the, 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 the cargo planes are coming, and they'll be dropping, you know, dropping supplies on that island, dropping supplies on that island. And every time they see, every time they hear the sound of that plane, they know that there's going to be a dropping of supply. Anytime there's a supply and the plane comes, the, the, the sound of the plane goes around, there's a dropping of supply. So after the war, these people on the island, they kept on still expecting. Anytime they still see, they still hear the sound of the plane, they still expect something to come up. So they build an altar unto the God of the cargo that something will come. The point in the heart of every man, in the heart of every man is that particular desire to worship something. I think in 1978 in, the, in New Mexico, there was this particular woman that when she was making tortilla, and as she was making the tortilla, she, she looked at it and saw an image that looked like the image of God, an image of, the, of, the, of Jesus Christ. And then they, she, she wrapped that particular image, took it to her to her, the priest, and the priest blessed it, and they created a shrine to the Jesus of tortilla. Right. And I'm not telling you stories now. This is what happened in New Mexico, here in the U.S. I think that's either 1978 or 1975. And they put that thing there. And people were making pilgrimage and coming to see the Jesus of the tortilla. Okay? And they did that for so many years. Until one of the kids of that, the granddaughter of that particular woman took that particular tortilla to church, to school for a, for, for a, a presentation or whatever. And the thing broke. And when it broke, the image of that Jesus started fading. And that was when people stopped coming. The point I'm making is that there is a desire to worship in the heart of men. And whatever it is, as long as it captures our fancy, as long as we are not able to explain it, as long as we see it as something that is, uh, that is beyond our own imagination, we begin to worship it. And that is why there's a worshiping of the star. Because men of those days don't understand what the stars were. They're worshiping of the sun. They're worshiping of the moon. They're worshiping of elemental things. Worship of snakes and all this sort of thing. The desire to worship is one of the most basic human need that God has designed into our heart. And the drive to worship is because we are all spiritual beings. Because we are spiritual beings, the spirit will seek to communicate with the spirit of the almighty God. And that is why you see people, like I said, of all cultures, worshipping some form of God or the other because we are designed to worship. So when God, so when people reject God, 
When people say that there is no God, when people argue that there is no existence of God, what they are saying is that they, I don't want to serve this particular one, but I will serve another God. The fact that they reject God does not mean that they don't serve anything. No. It simply means that they are serving something else that is not God. Either themselves, their job, their family, their, their money, or their resources, whatever. But man is designed to worship. So the fact that you reject God does not mean that you are not serving something. It simply means that you are serving something that is not God, which is a false God. Okay? The fact that, you know, even the atheists, even those people who call themselves atheists, the fact that they don't serve God doesn't mean they don't worship something. They end up worshiping either themselves or the philosophy or the philosophies that they espouse. Okay? So, uh, so the reason is because we are created to worship. We are created to worship. And that is why God said in Exodus 20, reading from verse number 4, the Bible said, Thou shalt not make unto thyself, unto thee, any graven image, or any of any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above, or in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters under the earth. For thou shalt not bow thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, left to his own devices, man will worship whatever captures his fancy. Mm-hmm. If something captures the attention of man, if something looks entertaining enough, if something looks, you know, looks uh, fascinating enough, man will worship. And that is the reason why God put that law in there. Everything in life of the believer is supposed to lead towards worship. Everything in life of the believer the way he lives his life, the way he interacts with his family, the way he appreciates the blessings of God, is supposed to lead to worship. And that is what Jesus Christ was talking about in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, reading from verse number 29, the Bible tells us there, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Basically, what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us there is this. The Lord is calling us to worship. He's saying, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, make God the first priority in your life. And the Lord is calling us to worship. The call, or This call emphasizes the priority of worship. That God should be number one in our life. It tells us the centrality of worship. That God Almighty, the worship of the Almighty God is the center of our being. That is the reason why we were created. It tells us the priority of worship in the life of a believer. That means everything you do should lead to worshiping the Almighty God. When you wake up in the morning and you can move your hand, you need to say, Lord, I thank you for being able to move my hand. If you open your eyes and you are able to see, you need to be able to say, Father, I thank you because I can see. If you can move your legs or your function can go, or you can use them or your bowel, you can you can go to the bathroom and you and use the restroom and do things the way you are, and do things the way you are supposed to do things. You should be able to appreciate God. God designed everything that we do is supposed to do what lead us to worshiping the Almighty God. So when the Bible says that you are to worship God, the Bible is simply telling us about the law of worship. And what is this law of worship? Number one, the law of worship is that God is the central focus of all worship. In other words, when you bow yourself and you show adoration, 
when you bow your shelf and you show appreciation for anything, God should be the center of that particular worship. Number two, God is the object of our worship. So when we bow our knees to the Lord Almighty, God should be that particular object of our worship. Number three, God should take preeminence in our worship. In other words, when we show appreciation, when we show adoration, when we show thanksgiving, it should be to the Almighty God, not to any man. Because if you look at it, you can take away your father, you can take away your mother, your wife, your brother, your sister. Anybody who is there to us can be taken away. Only God will remain forever. And it's only God that can do what he can do, even in our individual life. And that's why God should take the preeminence in our worship. Not only that, putting God, putting anything else before God. The law of worship says it is idolatry. In other words, if my wife takes the position of God in my life, I have become an idolater. Mm-hmm. If job becomes takes a position ahead of my ahead of God, that job has become an idol. If my particular work or my the church or whatever I am doing takes preeminence or takes pre- number one position in my heart outside of God, what you will find is that that thing has become an idol. So it's not my father's, my grandfather that will wake up in the morning and pours, uh, and pours the rum in front of a particular idol. That is not the only idol worshippers we have. Okay? Idol worship is not when you take a particular chisel and build an image. There are a lot of idol worshippers who are sitting in the church today. There are a lot of people who are idolaters who are sitting in the church today because, number one, their their job takes the preeminence. Their wives take their preeminence. Their husbands take the preeminence. Even the way they look takes their preeminence. The time they spend in front of the mirror takes the preeminence. Even the way they appear, everything about them takes preeminence outside of God. Anything that takes number one position in your life, you know, that puts God in number two, number three, or number four, or that relegates God from number one position, that particular thing has become an idol. And the law of worship says, putting anything before else before God is idolatry. The law of worship makes it clear that God will not take the subordinate position in the life of his creation. Why? Because he made it. The thing belongs to him. If I have done all my work and I invented something... And then when it is time for us to launch that particular thing, you now put me in the background and bring somebody else to come out. I will not agree because I'm the one who did it. That is why a lot of people get very angry when you don't give them credit for their work. The same thing, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, he will not take a second position. The law of worship makes it clear that anything that takes the place of God in our life is a false God. And it's idolatry. What most people fail to understand is this. As long as you do not put God where God belongs, what you find is that God no longer put, God no longer takes the rightful position he belongs in your life. When something else begins to relegate God to the second position, you'll find out that you no longer give God the praise and the adoration and the worship that he deserves. And one thing we must understand is this. A lot of people come to church and they expect that the church will ginger them up, will wind them up so that they become, you know, they can praise God, so that they can become energetic for God. One thing you must understand is that worship is not automatic. Okay? Worship is not automatic. Worship is not like the, it's not like the slight switch that you turn off and you turn off. No. Okay? 
Worship is not that kind of a thing that is just, you know, I like it's not like a robot, I turn it off today, I turn it off, or like an engine that I turn off and I turn off. No. Worship is what? Worship, like I said a few minutes ago, is a spiritual discipline. It's a lifestyle that has to be cultivated. It's something that you have to develop on a daily basis. It's something that you have to be able to grow on a daily basis. When you develop an attitude of appreciation, a grateful attitude, what you will find is that everywhere you find yourself, you are grateful for the things that God has done for you. And that is why when you see people who learn all this motivational talk, and they want to play on you, and they, and they, want, to, and they want to patronize you, they become cheesy. They say, you say, oh, that is awesome. You can tell a fake man and a real person. You can tell. You can tell when that person is real. You can tell when they are fake. But when worship becomes a part of your life, when worship becomes part of what you do on a daily basis, when worship flows out of your system, what you find is that when you see God, you can appreciate it. When everything happens to you, it flows out of your system. Okay? But when you are playing church, that's when anything, oh, praise God, brother, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. You, just, you know that you're just talking church at that point in time. But that is a story for another day. So, worship is not, you know, worship has to be cultivated. Worship is, you know, worship is something that you have to develop and it has to grow. And the problem is that you cannot worship God, number one, if you are egotistic. In other words, everything has to revolve around you. You are the best thing that ever happened to planet Earth, okay? If you don't, if you don't come to church one day, God will no longer be God. Okay, if you don't worship him, God will be so sad that day, he will start looking for you. If you see yourself as the center of the universe, you cannot worship God. Because basically you are you are paid, you are showing love and adoration, you are you are putting yourself out of the way and you're saying, God, you are God. That is what worship is all about. Now, if you are now in the center stage, how do you want to find time to bless to, to adore any other person? So worship will be difficult. If you are egotistic, worship will be difficult if you are self-absorbed. And that is why if we keep telling our kids, you are the best thing that ever happened after sliced bread. You are the good thing. I mean, life will not go on without you. You are the sun in my sugar. You are the tea. You know I mean, you start talking all those kind of things. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what you find is that the kids now see themselves as the best thing that ever happened. And if you tell them otherwise, their life becomes, you know, their world comes upside down. And you are not able, you know, what happens is that they now look for validation everywhere they go. And they will not be able to see the reason why they should bow their knees to the almighty God. Because they are self-absorbed. If you are self-absorbed, worship will become very difficult. If you are arrogant, worship will be difficult. Worship will be difficult if you, you do not have a high enough opinion of the Almighty God. And this is where a lot of Christians have problems. When you don't have a good opinion of God. When you don't have a high view of God. When you think that God is just like a regular man. Oh, God will understand. You know, when I finish, I will apologize later. Okay? When you have that kind of idea about God, it will be difficult for you to be able to worship Him. If somebody who has been under an abusive father, you have been under an abusive parent, or you have been under an abusive husband, if you see that image of that particular abusive person, when you come to God, you will begin to have that same picture. And you will think that God is always looking for an opportunity to, do, to knock you in the head. That you are only, God is only looking for your mistakes. That when you make mistakes, it's just waiting with the whip in the head. I say, okay, I catch you now. That is the picture. When you have that kind of a view of God, it will be extremely difficult for you to worship that particular God. So, if worship will be difficult also, if you think you have figured God out, I think you know Him, 
You think you already have a corner on the Almighty God. You think you have a full understanding of what God will do. You are so familiar with the Almighty God that you know what God is going to say. And that is why I'm always very weary when somebody comes and says, Oh, God told me yesterday. God told me this. God told me that. I say, hmm. Very interesting. The same people that said God told me this, God told me this, God told me this. If you look around, a week later they are saying something else. Then you begin to wonder, did God change his mind? Today God said you should go right. Then next day God said you should go left. At the end of the day you begin to wonder, God, would you please make up your mind concerning this individual? The point is that worship will be difficult if you think that you have figured God out. Okay? You will never go on your knees to say holy, holy, holy if you have already figured out the almighty God. There is no wonder anymore. There is no awe. There is no adoration anymore. There is no there is no sense of uh, there is no sense of wonder in his presence anymore. If you have already figured it out, why would you be surprised? Okay, it's just like when we are trying to throw a birthday party for you, and it's your birthday, and then we say we want to do a surprise for you. But if you already know about the surprise, when you come, what happened? You are only going to fake it to make us happy because it's no longer surprising to you anymore. You already know. But when you have not figured it out, when you have no idea what is happening, the very minute they tell you, have surprise, happy birthday, you can see it if you have not figured it out. When you figure out God, you cannot worship him. Because you already know. You know, I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to do. I know if I want to get something from you, all I have to do is whine him like this, whine him like this. And that. If you figure out God, why would you want to worship him? The reason is because... That which I can explain will never fill me with astonishment and wonder or admiration. If I can figure it out, it's no longer surprising. Okay? If I can figure it out, it's no longer surprising. That is why only the humble can worship the Almighty God. Only a man who is humble, humility, is one of the things that you need if you want to worship the Almighty God. Because you begin to realize that in my strength, I cannot do anything. In my own power, I cannot do anything. With the connections that I have, I cannot do anything. If the Lord says, today is the day for you to answer to me, who are you to stop it? You can't do anything. When you come to that realization, that in your own power, you can do nothing, it humbles you. It brings you to your knee. You begin to say, Lord God Almighty, I am in your hands. Okay? But when you think that you are all, when you think that you are the Alpha and the Omega, when you think that everything belongs unto you, who are you to? Why would you want to say, why would you want to, why would you want to worship anybody? Why would you want to pray to anybody? Why would you want to sing the praise of anybody? After all, you don't need them. They don't feed you. They don't pay your bills. But when you know that you are limited, when you know that you have need from Him, then humility is no, only the humble can worship the Almighty God. Number two, only the confident can worship the Almighty God. What do I mean by that? The confident, the people who trust their God, the Bible says they shall be strong and they will do what? They will do exploit. The people who are confident in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are confident in his ability, when you are confident in what he can do, when you are confident in what he has done in the past that he can do today, when you are sure that God will hear you, when you call upon his name in prayer, then worship becomes easy. Worship becomes easy if you have confidence in the Almighty God. Number three, only the people who admire the Almighty God will worship Him. Only the people who admire the Almighty God will worship Him. If I admire my wife and I say, Lord, this is the best thing that ever happened to me in life. What happened is that every day I wake up, I look at her and I'm happy. Every day I look at every day, every day I wake up, I am grateful that yes, I have a relationship with her. The same thing with the Almighty God. When you wake up in the morning and you see God and you say, this God, thank you very much. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving my friends. Thank you for giving me for the church. When you have admiration for the Almighty God, what happens? You are able to to worship him. 
You have to love God. You have to move from just loving God from what He can give you to what He for to who He is. If your relationship with your spouse is because your spouse can provide or your spouse can cook, at one point in time, what happens if you can no longer cook? What happens if you can no longer provide? If that is the basis of our love or the basis of our adoration, what happens? But if you love that individual because of who they are, it, it doesn't matter. I used to tell people that when you marry your wife, maybe by the time she was dead, about maybe at her 20 or in the mid, uh, in the, in the mid 20s, everything was in place. There was no Botox, there was no hanging up, everything was standing, everything was just what it was. Okay? Now, 50 years later, all the things is dropping. You now need a lot of strings to be able to keep telling something's going on. If you're loving that person is because of how they look, 50 years later, will you be able to? The question that we're asking is that admiration, unless you admire the Almighty God, unless you have this strong admiration for the Almighty God, worship will be difficult. Worship will be difficult. I'm sorry, I just have to use that as a... <laughs> just have to use that. So worship is also difficult. Worship, the only people who can worship God also are the people who are fascinated by the Almighty God. The Bible says, new every morning is the love of the Almighty God. In other words, there is no end to the mystery. There's no end to the wonder that of the things that God can do. You wake up in the morning and you see what God does in your life. And you say, Lord, this is just new to me. This is awesome to me. This is new. Because you are fascinated. You are fascinated by the things that he's able to do. You are fascinated by his love for you. You are fascinated by the, the, the things that the Lord God Almighty makes available to you. When you look at yourself and you look at what you have done, you know that you are not qualified for some of the mercies that you receive. You know that you are not qualified for the things that God is doing in your life. But, man, but, but, but with all those things going in your life, the Lord still loves you anyway. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you have ever owed money and somebody says, I write off your check, I write off your debt, I say you no longer owe it. You will understand what we're talking about when they talk about salvation. You will understand what it means when somebody says you have been forgiven of your sins. Okay? But if you have never owed that kind of money or you've never owed anybody, you've never been in a situation where you need to be redeemed, you will not fully appreciate it when it comes. So for you to really worship the Almighty God, you must be fascinated at that particular Almighty God. And to be fascinated means that you are full of moral excitement. It means that you are, fa- you are struck with awesome wonder. You are fascinated. You, you have this inconceivable elation about the things that God is doing in your life. And that is what, you know, and that is what the songwriter says when he says, When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my very soul shall shout, Hallelujah, praise God for saving me. In other words, when you think of all the things that God has done for you, when you think of the things that with the situation that you have been through, when you think of all the terrible things that the enemy would have done to your life, but for some reason God was able to bring you through, your soul will just wake up one day and the only thing you can do is just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. And then unless you are able to adore the almighty God, you cannot worship him. And what do we mean by adoration? Adoration simply means it's not because of what he has done. It's not because of the blessings that you receive. It's just because of the thing. It's just because of who he is. Just because of who he is. 
If you remember, for those who have always fallen in love before, if you remember when you were falling in love, it was very difficult for you to sleep. If that person is not there, you know how it is. You know how it is. Grandma, you can tell us a little bit. You know how it is. You know how it is. If that person is not there, you begin to wonder what is happening. Okay? If they're supposed to call you at a particular time and they have not called you, your mind starts racing. You begin to wonder so many things. And as soon as they show up, for some reason, it's like a burden is lifted off your shoulder. The thing is that there is an adoration. It's not like you can place them like a china doll and just keep watching them. And just keep watching them. When they fall asleep, you just want to keep watching them. The idea is because you are in love with that person. But one thing is not obsession now, but that's a different story. The idea we're making, the point I'm trying to make is that unless you you adore the almighty God, you cannot worship him. Something inside of you must say, I long for you. And that is why the psalmist said, my soul panted for the Lord. As the deer pant after water, so my soul longs for you. In other words, there is a particular longing. In other words, it says that I'm not complete without you. There's something missing if I'm outside of your presence. That is what we're talking about, adoration. Unless you have that inside your spirit, worship will be very difficult. Worship will be very difficult. Now, David was a man who knew something like that. David was a man who knew how to worship. David knew God enough that he knew the he had this boundless confidence in the Almighty God. He was able to face Goliath because he had a good view of the Almighty God. He was able to admire the excellence of the Almighty God. And then the question that comes to mind is this: Why is worship important? Why is worship important? Worship is important and central. You know, the importance and centrality of worship is, you know, is central the Bible. In the way God commands His people to approach Him. The Bible makes us understand, it says, come into His presence with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. In other words, God commands, to tell you how worship is important, He says, come into my presence with thanksgiving, enter my court with praise. And the Bible tells in the book of Revelation that the 24 elders, all they do, day and night, is just to say, holy, holy, holy. I have to tell you how worship the importance of worship. God commands, you know, the centrality of worship is seen in how God, God commands his people to approach him. The centrality is also seen in the way he related with the people of old. He commanded Moses to worship him. He commanded Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, every one of them to worship him. It also shows in the way the Lord Almighty designed the tabernacle. In the tabernacle of old, there is nothing that is done in that tabernacle. There is no, even no seats in the tabernacle. The only thing in the tabernacle is just a te- a, an altar and then a place where you can just continue to offer sacrifice unto the Almighty God. The centrality of worship is also seen in the instruction of how to present your offering to the Almighty God. The Lord is not so, the Lord that's why the Bible says that the Lord Almighty loves the people who give. Say, give cheerfully, give liberally. Whenever you are bringing anything to the Almighty God, say, make sure you do it with a heart of adoration, with a heart of praise, thanking God for what He has done for you. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.